European investment in Romania is turning the country into one of Europe's bargain destinations for travelers. Life Pedersen got to know what makes Romania special while doing research there for Lonely Planet. He writes about one of the country's most famous sons, a notorious 15th century prince with an imposing castle near the Transylvanian border, in his book called Backpacking with Dracula. Life, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. How did you end up writing uh, for Lonely Planet guidebooks on Romania? What's your connection with Romania? Uh, ooh, a girl <laughs> that I met okay. while I was living in Spain. And then she took me home to meet the family, and I spent the summer there. And it just so happened at the exact same time Lonely Planet was trying to recruit a new Romania author. So I applied, and next thing I knew, I was in the author pool. So you meet a, a Romanian girl in Spain, and she takes you home to meet the family. Where yep. did she live, and what was that like? She lived in a, in a city in the northeast called Yash, which is actually very near the border with the Republic of Moldova. Not the most touristy city, so I was uh, definitely, I, was, I stuck out. I bet. What was it like sitting down to dinner with them? It was challenging at first. Uh, I did eventually gain a certain amount of fluency in Romanian, but the first three, four months, uh, it was mostly just pantomime and smiling and nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there a couple months ago, and the food was delightful, and one of the staples yeah. was uh, polenta, which was surprising to me. Yeah, there's all kinds of twists on that. Everyone is proud of their polenta recipe. Yeah, every family has their polenta and their fire water also. Talk a little bit yes, about the fire water. Guy. I'm sure you had fire water. Oh. They have fire water with the salad. They serve it right with the meal. Yeah, it's a big deal there. So it's kind of legal, but not legal, especially now that they've joined the EU. But Romanians are allowed to make a certain amount of their very own homemade brandy the limit is like ridiculously large, like gallons. So everyone has a family member out in the countryside that makes this, and so they bring it home. And so everybody in the city has a couple of jugs of this laying around, and it's almost inevitably brought out every time guests are over. That is an issue when a country joins the EU. A lot of its most treasured traditions are actually threatened because they don't meet the hygiene standards. Yeah, well, this somehow got grandfathered in. Uh, unfortunately, the horse-drawn carts didn't fare as well. They're being slowly pushed out. When you travel in Romania, it is, in some cases, like you're traveling through an open-air folk museum. You feel like, where's yeah. the admission turnstile? <laughs> but it's just, this is real life here. And that was what was so striking with me. Uh, but first of all, let's just cover the nitty-gritty. How is it different from traveling in France or, or Germany? Is it wide open? Are there any special pitfalls that we should be aware of? The, the sense is that it's uh, a lot more wild. Even in my own Lonely Planet, it was referred to as the Wild West of Eastern Europe. Um, and that may have been true in the early aughts, but they joined the EU in 2007. There's been a lot of improvements with the infrastructure. The roads aren't nearly as disastrous as they once were. So I wouldn't say there's anything special you should do to prepare. There's still a small element of just like pickpocketing, but you know, that's present in Barcelona, Rome, all mm -hmm. that other stuff. It's surprisingly safe. Violent crime is surprisingly rare. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Life Pedersen, and Life's book is called Backpacking with Dracula. And uh, he knows a lot about Romania because he's lived there and worked there. I want to talk about Dracula in just a minute, but let's start with the capital city, uh, Bucharest. In a nutshell, how would you describe Bucharest? It's constantly changing. When I first visited Bucharest, I hated it. It was my most hated city in Europe for a long time. I agree. Yeah, the, the signage was... You couldn't even find the train station. That's how bad the signage was. And I just bad-mouthed it for years. Uh, and I finally came around. I mean, the museums there are outstanding. And, you know, in terms of a European capital, it's probably got the best bang for your buck. 
hotels, hostels, taxis, super cheap. I was struck by just the cacophony, the visual clutter of architecture. And it's just all these different styles from yeah. the late 19th century right through the 20th century. And uh, a city that is, you know, it's a huge city, getting its act together. And at night, you wander through the newly pedestrianized night zones and all sorts of very trendy people are out. And it's just a crazy sort of bohemian chic kind of scene that really surprised me when I was thinking of Bucharest. Eastern Europe in general really cherishes their nights out. And so, you know, once they got the means, they really blew it out of the water, you know, just kind of like Bratislava before them and, and Prague, obviously, ages ago. But they, they're serious. And Catching the, up the nightclub scene is big. Yeah. The most striking thing, Life, I found about Bucharest was, of course, the heritage of their megalomaniac dictator, Nikolai Ceausescu. He literally impoverished the country because he wanted to build this massive palace. I think it's the biggest building in Europe, inspired by megalomaniacs in North Korea. Yeah, I, I personally, I have a, a grudge against that place. If I'm not mistaken, it is the third largest public building in the world. I think the Pentagon is a little larger, but it is enormous. And when you take the tours, you're just seeing a tiny fraction yeah. of it. And I think only about 70% of it is actually in use. There's large parts oh, of it that yeah. is just empty. I think the government is in there somewhere. I mean, I think the government yeah. actually needs <laughs> in there, but it's so big. I tell you, there is absolutely nothing like it. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Life Pedersen. His book is Backpacking with Dracula. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. And Heidi's on the line from San Diego. Heidi, thanks for your call. Well, we just returned from living in Romania for a year. We have three small children, and it was a wonderful experience. So we bought a car, and we drove all throughout the country, Transylvania to the Danube Delta. Uh, we were based mostly in southern Romania near the Danube, but it was a wonderful experience, um, kind of like a kid heaven. We had a house with a yard, and kids run around and play outside, and they're very kid-friendly. Romanians don't have a lot of children, maybe one, maybe two. Um, I have three, so parents would stop me. How do you do it with three children? And grandparents <laughs> would congratulate me for having so many children. Very, very family-friendly. What What is the culture there as far as uh, welcoming strangers or making them feel at home? Well, strangers in, in general are very hospitable, but Americans especially, they loved Americans. We went to a lot of places in Transylvania and such that have a lot of tourists, but we also went many places that don't get a lot of tourists, particularly Americans. Uh, for example... Uh, we went to the ruins at Suchadava, just north of the Danube. It's a Roman fortress. It's, you could just walk around the whole thing. So we did with our kids, explored it. And a lady from the village came and saw that we were there and showed us around for a little bit for 20 minutes. And then she apologized because she had to run home to get her bread out of the oven. <laughs> uh, but she invited us to come to her house to have some bread. So we said, well, of course. Of sure. course, yeah. So, <laughs> so we walked down the street, and she went back in the garden and took the coals off this pit in the ground and took some bread out, and we sat down, and she told us all about her family. And I've been all over Europe, lived in many countries, but I've never experienced hospitality from a complete stranger like that. And she told us about her family, and we all had hot bread from the coal oven. Mm. It was pretty incredible. You know, there's something about travel in Romania that if you're good with serendipity, it can be one of the greatest places to travel because there's all sorts of hidden little memories and experiences like that, and you just got to make them happen. Little side roads, yeah, man in a cart pulled over the road when he saw us. I think we're doing a bathroom break on the side of the road or something. And he, he pulled his cart over and offered us a gallon of milk. 
He was on his way somewhere with his milk, his fresh milk that he gave us a gallon. Now, with a family of five, you would have found that the prices, comparing to what you'd expend in Italy or Germany, must have things must have been much more accessible. Oh, absolutely. So we would go to a bakery that had really nice whole wheat German bread, a whole loaf, that it was the equivalent of a dollar. And that was the expensive loaf. The top-end top loaf, yeah. Well, Heidi, thanks for your call. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope all your travelers enjoy Romania. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Life Pedersen, and we're talking with our listeners about Romania. Life's book is Backpacking with Dracula. Hey, Life, let's talk a little bit about Dracula, because if you drive for two or three hours uh, west from Bucharest, you go over the uh, mountains, and you come to the castle that tourists always call the Dracula Castle. Tell me just in a nutshell about Vlad Tepes. His history is a little fuzzy. There was an enormous amount of research I needed to do to just kind of pull apart the fact, legend, and fiction on Vlad when I was researching my book. He uh, was a 15th century prince of Wallachia. And at the time, Wallachia was kind of like this grape in between the two monstrous powers of the Ottoman Empire and the Hungarian Empire. So they, they were just constantly in danger of being overrun or being the apocalyptic wasteland if those two decided to go head to head. And so he was in an impossible situation. And he really had no choice but to just, especially as the Ottomans started encroaching, he went at it. He, he gave it his all. And it, it happened to be the 15th century when uh, morals were different and lots and lots of killing and genocide was the norm for solving problems. And he was extremely good at it. And that's how he got his nickname, the Impaler. His favorite way to end a guy's life was to impale them because it was the longest, most agonizing way to kill a guy. And, mm. and it worked. He literally scared away Mehmed the Conqueror with his with his atrocities. He's really done more than anybody I've ever talked to to make Dracula feel like he's a reasonable guy. You, you know, because he's he's <laughs> defending his little tribe between Ottomans and Hungarians, and they're going to all meet a grisly fate if they don't defend themselves. And and he did it, pedal to the metal. So that was a, a real historical character, Vlad Tepes. Yeah, Tepish means impaler. His his full name was Vlad Dracula. Oh, that's it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Tepish means the impaler. It was the he got that nickname after he died. Now, when we were there making our TV show, the tourist board was very reluctant for us to do uh, a little bit on the Roma community or the Gypsies in Romania. It's a big part of the society, though, and we wanted to show it. What's your take from a, a exploring Romania point of view on the Roma community? Well, I think it's just like any group of folks that have built up a, a bad reputation. It's all based on a handful of near-do-wells. You know, uh, across Europe, you'll see a realm of people that are basically just kind of loitering and, and doing petty theft. And that's not just the Roma community, but all of Romania has taken it on the chin. They, people in Europe, especially the UK now, there's this big backlash, and that's just not representative of Romanians mm. or the Roma. You know, it's just a tiny little fraction of that population. Yeah. I thought it was a beautiful dimension of uh, Romanian society. The whole country is full of fascinating uh, ethnic stories. And in one place I, I really found that was up in Maramorish, which is in the far northern fringe, right? It just borders Ukraine. And in Maramorish, if you want to see horse carts and, and people out in the fields and goat herds and sheep herds making their cheese, staying in a farmhouse B&B, there's no place like Maramorish. Oh, it's absolutely a time travel, time warp area. Not it should be pointed out there they're not doing that for the love of the culture. It's just it's very poor area and it's just because of the lack of money and they just haven't had the infrastructure and the same kind of progress as the rest of the country. But 
uh, for people wanting to just get a taste of what you know peasant era Europe was like. I, it's you'd be hard pressed to figure out what century you're in in some of these villages. In Western Europe, you go to an open air folk museum, you pay admission to go in, and there's women with aprons and and you know men are chopping wood, and and it's just all a little faux medieval community. You go to Maramarsh, oh, this is the real thing, and and the great yeah. thing is the natural local hospitality because you just walk down the street and people invite you in. It's like we were talking with Heidi earlier and, and you're having bread right out of the oven and you're watching them spin their, their beautiful fabric and oh, running their water mills. Like Heidi, I had a lot of those serendipitous encounters and part of that was because hitchhiking is still a legitimate way to get around in Romania, especially rural Romania where there's no buses, no other options. So while I was driving around the country doing my Lonely Planet stuff, I would always pick up hitchhikers and just some of them would only be in the car to get to the next village and some of them they'd be in the car for like an hour or more. And it was always interesting and little old ladies would always bless me so that I would be safe on the road. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Life Pedersen and his book is Backpacking with Dracula. Our phone number is 877-333-7425 and Andy's calling in from Seattle. Hi, Andy. Hi there, Rick. I've always appreciated the way you've talked about engaging in the culture as deeply as you can. And I wanted to say one thing about my experience in Romania that will always stick with me. This was 15 years ago. I was there for USAID on a project. I was staying in a hotel, which was magically priced at exactly the $120 a day that USAID offered. I wondered if I could instead stay with a family and indeed, I could, as long as I had a receipt. So instead, I stayed with a family whose pension was $30 a month. And so every night I stayed with them, they got the equivalent of four months' salary. Whoa. They were so indebted yeah. because of this and so grateful that they welcomed me, welcomed the families and relatives, took me all around the country on various trips. I ate all their meals and it got to enjoy their culture in a way I never could have had I stayed in the antiseptic hotel, which was where USAID expected me to stay. So taking advantage of opportunities to get to know people deeply in that way turns out to really enrich one's experience. Because of this, I'm still in touch with the family uh, 50 years later quite regularly. Were there any sites that helped you better connect with the traditional culture? I think one of the most interesting was a place called the Village Museum, which is this huge multi-acre site in Bucharest, where they have apparently brought in examples of the housing from around the country, people in native garb. I was there on such a hot day that I could hardly stand up, but it was so engaging that I went back the next day and the next day, (laughs) because I learned so much about the culture by visiting these little communities. And that's in the capital city, right in Bucharest. So even even on a quick visit, you can, in a sense, travel around the country by going to this huge park and seeing traditional dwellings brought together there from all over Romania. Absolutely. And people were in their native garb and playing native instruments. And you got to see the variety of the country in just a few hours. It was really spectacular. Hey, Life, have you been to that museum? Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do in Bucharest. Well, thanks, Andy, for your uh, sharing, and I'll remember that Village Museum in Bucharest. You bet. Thanks. Okay, bye now. Life, for me, the highlight of my, my experience in Romania was Mara Marsh, and the churches in Mara Marsh, where communities came together in beautiful ways. I'll never forget going into one church where it was carpeted with little carpets that were all handmade and donated by parishioners, and the wall was 
filled with embroideries that people had lovingly done. The Romanians are, are deeply religious. The, the Orthodox community, I think it's something like 92% of the country are Orthodox, and they, they are very serious about it still. It, there's some debate about it, actually, because a lot of money still gets thrown into church construction and things like that when it could be going to, you know, other things infrastructure. But in the north, it is uh, in these villages, you know, the whole village just, just kind of revolves around the, the church. And and these churches have been there for centuries, you know, so there's a proud, there's a sense of just kind of like rallying around this incredibly ancient thing that's all their own. And you, you go into the town and, and if you're on your own, you can just wander in and usually the church will be locked, but you just kind of ask the first person you run into on the road and they'll know who has the key and where they are at that very moment. And you go fetch them and they and they let you in. They, they're they happy to show these churches off. They're very proud. And it, the community just rallies around them. So, Life, one thing I was struck by is, is how impressive the infrastructure is. There's not a lot of traffic out in the countryside, but there's roads everywhere now. And it makes the culture accessible. Can you think of one little fun serendipitous moment that would remind us that when we're traveling around a place like Romania, you got to get out and connect with the people. Uh, yes, I have the perfect story. I was in the car with friends that had just come from the United States to visit, and we were driving through Transylvania. This guy had a just a rickety table on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of bottles of colored liquid. So we pulled over, of course. What is that? And it was a variety of liqueurs he'd made at his farm. And we ended up just having a little tasting right on the side of the road there. All, all these different things made of different fruit. And my friends just blew their minds. Wow. So you meet a guy with a rickety table with a bunch of colored liquids and mismatched bottles. And you say, hey, let's have a tasting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's not going to be anything wrong with that. And we, we had a great time. And that's a lesson, I think, especially in a country like Romania. To, you know, if you see something interesting, stop the car, get out and connect with the people. There's, there's no other country, I've been, and I've been all over Europe driving myself too, and there's no other country where that kind of thing happens. That's the beauty of Romania. Life Pedersen, author of Backpacking with Dracula, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.